Hello, I'm G.A. Bowie, Executive Director with USA Kansas, and I'm excited to today have some special guests with us as we discuss building level uh, issues in Kansas and in what the building level principles do. And I'm joined today by Brad Womack from Silver Lake. As a, he's a single principal uh, in their building of about 315 students. Amy McInerney, who's an assistant principal at Lawrence Free State High School. And Lawrence Free State has about 1,850 students. And Dr. Brian Jordan from KSB, who spends a lot of time uh, training building principals through evaluations. And uh, Brian and I both can come back to the, the role of building principals as we started our administrative career. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, in education. So excited to have a conversation today, but I'm going to start off with Amy a little bit because, uh, Amy, you've got a building with four assistants. Uh, Myron is a lead principal there. Mm-hmm. And as we read an article recently posted on a blog by Megan Black, assistant principal at Olathe West, mm-hmm. she talked about the different roles that they have in their building. Um, talk to us a little bit this morning about what your roles look like at, at Lawrence Free State with, with your principals. Certainly. One of those principal's assistants is an associate, so technically second in charge, but he also works with special education, and he also works with building technology. Of course, another one, her main focus is athletics. She's athletic director. Uh, Safety and security also fall under her. And the other one is the activities director, so clubs and all kinds of activities. Uh, Myself, my focus is more on testing and a variety of other things. Things. Uh, we all do have about 450 to 475 students that we support through grades and attendance, and we have intervention meetings with counselors and social workers on those students. Um, another big task of ours, of course, is supporting teachers. I support teachers in the CTE program through supervision and evaluation, and I also have part of the special education uh, department, which means I have special teachers, but I also have about 20 paras that I supervise, um, supervise secretaries also, um, in charge of summer school. I feel like I'm in the trenches. As an assistant <laughs> principal, I really do. I feel like we are in the trenches. I've got my hands in so many different things that I could describe for you that every 10 minutes I feel like I'm doing something and so, different. So the lead principal at, um, in your building, mm-hmm. he just kind of he oversees, but he's, he's there to support as you right. need support along the way. Right, because the assistants divide up the students by alphabet, so mm-hmm. he technically doesn't have students, but we are all assigned a large chunk okay. of students. Right? But he's right there all the, the, yes. the whole time. Time just filling and supporting right, absolutely. Uh, as you guys yes. need that support. Yeah. Great. He's probably more in the role of instructional re- leader, mm-hmm. which we'd like to be, but with with <laughs> everything else that we're doing, and sometimes that gets thrown by the wayside. And, and I would say, and Dr. Jordan, you could help out here as well. Uh, as a as a principal in an eighteen hundred student building, he's also probably has a lot to do with the community and the relationships within the community. I was going to add. I think one of the one of the roles that the that a head principal plays in a large system like that is. They, they have to be the person that's also looking down the road and, and kind of seeing, you know, are we doing the right professional development with staff and trying to make sure that, you know, they're looking forward, whereas your assistants a lot of times are dealing with those minute-by-minute issues yeah. that pop up. Uh, and so that, that head principal really has to be kind of the, the person that's looking out and looking down the road and making sure that we're getting everybody headed in the right direction. Also, a lot of times they're having to do more of the PR work out in the community, and, and that's an expectation in those larger systems. So, so Brad, we've, we've talked about Free State here. We've talked about all these different roles. 
you're in a building with 7th through 12th grade students, obviously not as many, but are any of those roles absent in your building? No, that's what I was going to say is, is in Megan Black's blog, she does a fantastic job of describing all the different responsibilities of the assistant principals. Um, and all of those, regardless of whether you're in a 1A school district or a 6A school district, all those responsibilities are still there. Um, it's just that in in our school system, uh, I'm the one who's everything that Dr. Jordan had sa- has said and, <laughs> yeah. and on. I'm responsible for all those. now. And what, So what we have to do is we have to piecemeal things together. We have to get a teacher to help here or a director to help there. Um, but ultimately... We still have the curriculum, the assessment and supervision, or the evaluation and supervision pieces. All those pieces are still there, um, and uh, yeah, there are, there are m- many days where, however, that 315 fits within our um, realm of what we would like to see in terms of principals <laughs> to students. Um, a lot of times, that direct communication or contact with students gets pushed off because you have to do uh, something with with community or something with teachers or something with uh, within the profession that keeps you away from students. So all those same roles are really there, and but it's just one person trying to fit all, fit yes. all those roles. So Amy, you talked a second ago about one of the assistant principals being in charge of technology right. uh, and supporting the technology. Brian, we've watched over the last couple of years um, the, the emphasis placed on the teacher evaluation yeah. and supporting the teachers. So Amy, talk to us a little bit about what that role might look like in technology, and we'll shift it to Brian afterwards, because I think those are two big areas that are expanding in our technology world, or in our our technology-driven world, but are expanding within our schools as responsibilities, Mm -hmm. but but are still part of what we're doing every day. Right, and when I say he's in charge of technology, I mean everything from the phones to now students have MacBooks. We went one-to-one last year was our first year with those. So it's just everything that encompasses that. You know, a couple summers ago, he and I dismantled a computer lab and moved it over the summer. So it's it's just those little things, everything that you need to do, the bell system. But, again, it's there's a lot of coordination there of um, different things that go into, especially we transferred over to power school this mm-hmm. year. So that's a piece of technology that he and I both are trying to become more familiar with to support our teachers. So things you wouldn't really think about on right. a daily basis, but if without... Right. It's not going to function right. the way you'd like it to. Exactly. And yeah. it's kind of the same thing with evaluations sure. as supporting teachers. Yeah. yeah, so you think about technology as a, as a great example of 20, 30 years ago, the, the emphasis on technology and the use of it in schools wasn't there. Uh, yet what we've done with the number of administrators in schools is, has been flat or even reduced over the last 20 years. But those demands have continued to increase. So technology is a great example of there's increased demands. Uh, teacher evaluation is an area where oh, about three or four years ago in the state of Kansas, uh, Due to some federal changes with No Child Left Behind, there was an increased emphasis on quality evaluation. And there were a lot of districts that were doing it at a very high level, but there were a whole number of districts that that really at that point shifted what they were doing with teacher evaluation. And that shift in teacher evaluation was more towards best practice of what we know works to help coach and support teachers. Uh, But along with that shift comes an increased demand of their time. Uh, uh, Teacher evaluation really isn't just a drop in the classroom one time, write a document, and you're done. 
and if you're doing it well, it's a year-round process where you're having these ongoing conversations with teachers. Uh, you're, you're visiting classrooms, but you're also sitting down and talking with teachers. You're, you're reviewing artifacts and information that they share with you. Uh, so there, there is a lot of time that's spent working and supporting those teachers with the evaluation process. There again, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't a, a, a responsibility that had as much uh, demand of time as it does now with, with, our, with our administrators. So that's another area that we've seen an increased demand for time with administrators. And just a quick side story, a couple of years ago I was in a large district working with a group of uh, the board and that administrative team, and we were talking about evaluation. It was when there was this shift in Kansas to these new systems, and we're talking about the length of time that it would take to evaluate one first-year teacher. Uh, and so we talked through that you, you need to do at least three observations in their classroom, at least 20 to, to twenty minutes to an hour for each of those observations. That doesn't include any pre- and post-conferencing with that teacher. So you do three of those in the first semester. You do at least three of those in the second semester. And then you get to sit down and write up the summary evaluation and meet with the teacher <laughs> on this. Oh, and then you have to meet with the teacher and do goals as well. And I'll never forget a board member saying, well, why are we cutting administrators? And this sounds like to me we need more administrators to do this well. And he was spot on with that statement. Uh, we know that improving instruction is one of the quickest ways to improve your outcomes for your kids because you have high-quality instruction happening in every single classroom. Uh, your administrators are a critical role in improving that instruction across the building. And what we call, what we say all the time is reducing the variability be between classrooms. You want every classroom to have a great teacher. Every parent wants a great teacher for their kids. Administrators play a key role in improving instruction across the across And I the think the Wallace Foundation recently did a study. It's probably about four years old at this point in time. But they said just that, that no significant change happens in a school without an effective, um, effective administrator leading the change. Right. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. That's just a first-year teacher. That doesn't yep. include someone that's right. in their second or fifth year that, that may need a little bit of support and, and, and an improvement or leading that change as we look at you know, individual plans of study, yeah. which we're now adding uh, into the school. Yeah. So I think, I think you're spot on there, Brian, with um, the, that responsibility for those principals just continues to grow and grow. Well, and then what I try to share with boards as well is even your very best teachers need, need affirmation, need feedback to continue to improve. Uh, they need to hear that feedback as well to know that they're doing a great job, they're doing the things that, that, that are helping kids. Uh, it's just like your very best athletes. If, if you know, they're, they're you know, the top of their sport, they still want coaching. They still want to get better. Teachers are the same way. Your great mm -hmm. teachers want that affirmation. They want feedback so that they know they're doing the right things because uh, they're in the trenches every single day that outside set of eyes a lot of times can give them some insights or some ideas of how they could get even better with their instruction yeah that's and there's one thing i'd like to add to cool. that is because i oversee and supervise our uh, cte department mm -hmm. of teachers uh, we are hiring more and more teachers who are not going through the traditional teacher education programs sure. through universities. So I feel like those teachers need a little bit more of our time also mm -hmm. because they don't have the student teaching background. Um, they may be great people and know the content, but there's a lot of other things that they need to right. be caught up to speed on. So that, that adds additional time too, yeah, which is, yeah, is wor well point. worth it, but it's something to consider. And CTE is one of those areas because you're not going to find a lot of exactly you know auto auto mechanics that, are, that have, have a teaching degree or right. auto body type of yeah. teachers. And I would say, that, you know, with, with school districts our size and communities our size is that a lot of times I, what I hear Amy and Brian talking about are how highly complex school systems are. And I think sometimes the perception 
from the people outside looking in is that we're a very simple, basic organization. Um, that there's so many layers involved there. You know, like one of the big initiatives at Silver Lake over the past few years has been providing additional opportunities for our students to apply career and tech ed type skill sets, whether it be through uh, the implementation of greenhouses, and a greenhouse, t-shirt shop, business type, entrepreneurial mm-hmm. type of activities. And so, yeah, just the level of of expertise needed and time commitment needed um, on those things. And then the follow-up with trying to retrain the teachers you do have in there. Um, but, yeah, that, that evaluation process. Um, and, again, it's just so there's so many layers uh, involved in the organization that, again, to, to think about, I mean, if you think about like a, a hospital or something like that, having one administrator or two administrators trying to run the whole program when there's so many layers involved, um, that it, it, it becomes extremely difficult to keep the the ship, if you will, sailing in the right direction <laughs> right. and keeping it functioning at a very high level. Right. I, you know, my experience of being in buildings, I think in a, in a smaller building, it's it's maybe even more difficult to do all of those different programs because there's one of you uh, and there's only one or two science teachers that are able to run the greenhouse versus in a free state. There may be multiple people that can jump in and pitch in in some of the programming. Uh, so it, it, it increases complexity because you don't have the flexibility of people to, to throw at right. some of those programs or throw at some of those issues. And, and that gets lost in the conversations because people want the those programs for their kids, but they they don't think about all the implications of implementing those programs, sustaining those programs, uh, and those things don't just magically grow. They have to have some oversight. They have to have some support to make them happen. And as we look, you know, we've heard Dr. Watson talk about partnering and working together. Even for those things to happen, it means, you know, I've got to go talk to Amy about I'd like to get five or six kids over to Free State to do X, Y, Z. Well, now I've got to create this partnership between my school and your school to, mm-hmm. to build upon taking advantage of what you have in your district as well. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's another layer on yeah. top of that organizational piece. Yeah. So, um, so we, we recently saw... Um, a, we had a gubernatorial candidate that kind of challenged what what principals do on a daily basis, and and so he threw out um, Wichita out there as a couple of schools, and he said one school, but it had 12, 12 assistant principals. But our our numbers come out to that there are two schools, forty five hundred students, uh, approximately, which comes out to about three hundred seventy six. Um, students per principal, principal and assistant principal. Uh, Mr. Tallman put together a little chart here recently and kind of talked about and showed some state and national numbers there. Um, But you can see Wichita East and Wichita North and the number of students that they have per 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 principal, but I think more important that you see statewide, we're a little bit lower there, right around 300, but as as we look at that graphic one more time, if Rob can get that up there, we see the U.S. average, we're, we're pretty close to the U.S. average, but what I want to look at is the last two columns, and the next to last column talks about the student achievement, and so for, if you're just listening to the podcast and not seeing this, top achieving schools, students, have approximately one to every 250, 255 students, one principal, one administrator. 
and our lowest achieving students in the state have approximately one to 350 or 360 students per administrator. So a 100, 100 student difference between the, on that scale. And so I think that's really valuable as we talk about um, the importance of maybe expanding the roles uh, or expanding the number of administrators so we can stay on top of things. We've talked to, you know, Brad, you talked about you added a second counselor to the district here recently. But what, Amy, as you look at your, your building, and you're in a larger building, when you look at those numbers, um, can you see can you see that within the building that the more attention or the more support you provide students, um, the more apt they're able to find success? Absolutely, because our numbers have been steadily increasing over the last several years that we felt like we were at a point that we needed to do something to provide our struggling students, especially uh, we were looking at graduation rates, and we were looking at students who were in danger of not graduating. So this year, we do have a school within a school program. The district uh, was very, um, very kind to us and let us add another counselor and a social worker. And the social worker and three teachers actually work in a school within a school with about 60 juniors and seniors, and they do their core subjects with those three teachers and the social worker, then they do go out for some elective classes. But that social worker um, keeps very close tabs on them, home visits, visits with parents, but again, small group of only about 60 students. And we're already seeing better attendance, um, better grades, so hopefully we can keep those kids on the path to graduate. So that's our most intensive, that's our tier three design mm-hmm. that we have. We also have a tier two in, in that since we got to hire another counselor one of our counselors moved over and she has about a hundred kids in that tier two that she really monitors grades and attendance and visits with parents and tries to do interventions and troubleshoot with us administrators on how we can help those kids but definitely it takes more people to have that smaller amount of students, build those relationships, and build the students' confidence and that you know they can do this. And all those positions that were added um, are technically not instructional, uh, considered in the classroom type of right. expenses. Right. But exactly. we. But you're talking about how important they really are yes. to the success of the kids. Mm-hmm. And so, Brad, you've you've been able to add an additional counselor, and you also talked about how your teachers have to take on additional roles because of the lack of administrative, um, not, and I want to be careful when I say lack of administrative support, but just the numbers. So you just right. don't have the pure numbers to help. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, every time, every time a teacher has to take time and energy away from planning that effective lesson, that student-centered lesson, that lesson that takes them to the level three, four knowledge level application-based opportunities, Every time they they're they're focusing on something that some of the other schools have the opportunity to to hire human resources for, um, you're ultimately impacting that student's ability to achieve at a high level, um, or or groups of students. And so, yeah, I mean that that's the one thing we find at at, at our level is. Um, you know, if I compare us to where my wife works, where there are maybe 10 or 12 math teachers and we have two, um, you know, they can spread that work around a little bit. They have additional curriculum resource uh, support and those kinds of things where it's myself and the two teachers that are trying to redesign a math curriculum or, you know, things like that. And so anytime I am asking those teachers to be out of their classrooms to support and help with those things, then our students are suffering. And so... 
Um, we do not have the resources to have those extra support pieces in there right now. Um, again, we have been able to keep our achievement pretty high, but um, probably not as high as people in our community are used to. Um, so it definitely impacts us. As those additional layers continue to be placed upon your role or, or teachers or counselors' roles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. One of Brian? the things that I think gets kind of lost in the translation of that of that data is uh, you can look at just a ratio of students to, to administrator uh, in that data, but, but you also need to take a look at the student demographics uh, that, that you have in some of those locations. Uh, we know that there's, there's very clear research out there around correlations between at risk students and student success and so uh, you know the higher percentage of kids you have coming from those at-risk backgrounds there's a whole nother set of issues that come that, that have to be dealt with and, and we talk in, in training all the time about whole child supports it's, mm -hmm. it's all those things that are that are the non-academic issues that, that can get in the way uh, of their success and, and these these issues that I'm talking about stem from their home environment possibly stem from their background knowledge their their language barriers that they might have uh, so so it takes people it takes resources to to support those areas so that the teacher can be successful in the classroom with that instruction. Uh, coordination of those things, hiring of those people, support for them, the training of those folks, uh, that, that takes hours, that takes time to do that. Uh, and so when you look at just a, a 250 to 1 ratio, uh, you also need to kind of take a look and what's, what do the 250 kids look like that mm -hmm. that, that administrator oversees? And, and Mr. Tallman talks a lot about uh, you know the, the data that we have on school size and classroom size, and there's a strong correlation and you know, school size. And, and classroom size and student success, uh, you also have to take a look at well, what do the kids look like that are showing up there because <laughs> right. there's some correlation there as well that we have to consider yeah. when we put those supports in place. You know, and Amy, you talked about just about those supports with your Tier 3 support and, and, the, and the home visits that take place. And I know talking about Wichita earlier, um, Carol Eady, a principal down in Wichita, mm -hmm. um, she has shared with me some of the, the home visits that they do in the fall just to, to let their teachers make connections with parents and kids because again it's it's not always that the parents are going to reach out to us as we've learned with our schools we have to reach out to the parents and, and their homes because these are bi very busy people trying to trying to raise kids and and they're looking at us for that support so well, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys being here today and sharing a little bit. Um, and really our hope, I think, with with really amplifying what the role of the building principal is and the building assistant principals are, is to just help people know that it's very complicated, that the success of any school uh, truly lies within the teachers, but that but those teachers are led and, and, and directed and guided by an administrator. Um, you know, we there's been a lot of research talking about lead teachers. Mm -hmm. And every time they talk to good lead teachers, they talk about a great principal they've had that have allowed them to lead. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, um, you know, if you think of a teacher teaching seven hours a day and then trying to do lesson plans and grade papers, they don't have time to do the administrative chores that that you guys do every single day along with everything else and so i think there's that that true balance between that administrative role and that teacher role which really makes our our system so effective uh, as we move forward so there, there's actually research out there that 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 shows a very strong correlation between great school leadership and student achievement and when you dig into some of that information the, the research is very interesting because what they did is they they took teachers perceptions of leadership uh, and so when teachers perceived they had a strong leader in place uh, 
uh, that had an impact on their success with kids in their classrooms because it, it helped distribute the work. It helped lighten the load uh, on some of those things when there's a leadership vacuum at the top. Guess where that stuff falls? That falls on the teacher in the classroom, and they're not able to do the work that they need to do for the success of their kids. Yeah. And so uh, there, there's a lot of information out there that you can dig into that shows that strong correlation between great leadership and student success. Yeah. And I think, you know, we got a couple of high school folks with us, middle school as well, because you have seven, seventh grade students. But, you know, when you look at our elementaries, oftentimes they are very understaffed with administrators. Um, you know, I, I think of a couple of districts that have a thousand kids in their elementary. They're adding preschool students and there's a principal and an assistant principal in that building. So it's about 500 kids. And as we add our preschool component to that, and, and some of them are actually breaking out to their own facilities because of the importance um, of getting those kids prepared and ready to go. I think we have to keep in mind, too, that, that those roles of our elementary principals are continually just as just as layered with challenges um, and building those connections. Because Dr. Jordan, help me with the research, but it says in many cases it's about third grade that we can yeah. identify some of those potential dropouts. Yeah, they, they, there's research out there, and I can't quote the, the research that, that have done that, but, <laughs> but there's research out there that if they're not on grade level by third grade, there's a high, higher likelihood that they will be a, a dropout by the time they get to high school. Uh, and, and they can begin to identify in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade factors that are indicators. So a, a student attendance is one of those things. On grade level with reading is one of those things. That if, if kids aren't where they need to be with those, there's a high likelihood they're going to drop out. Well, again, attendance on grade level reading takes resources. You need people that can go work with the family, social workers, counselors. You need, you know, reading interventionists or math interventionists that can help kids get on grade level and close those gaps early in their education so that those gaps don't become too large to be overcome later in their education. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, Brad, Amy, Brian, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, we're going to have to stop for now and, and and move on to other tasks, but we're excited that you're with us and sharing. I hope that you get a chance to, to at least listen to this this podcast and share with other people, share with your parents uh, out there that feel like there may be a challenge. And again, as we roll into October as National Principal Month, um, take the opportunity as a, as a parent or a student or a teacher and just say thank you to a principal for what they do every single day. I'm G.A. Bowie, and thanks for joining us. Thank you.